Good evening. My name is Ramon Mayo, and my wife Yvette and I are student ministry coordinators here at the South Suburban Vineyard. And I want to welcome those of you who are watching online. Um, Google has made it easy for your questions, all your questions, to be answered. I notice that whenever I have a question, I don't call people up first. I don't even talk to my wife first. I go straight to Google and I type whatever I want into that search bar. Just the other day, I realized that I needed some tools and I usually call up our resident fix-it person, uh, David Jacob, he's our assistant pastor. And I realized, I Googled first and I realized I had all the tools that I needed. Google can help you figure out the answers to any, just about any question that you can think of. But there's some questions that even Google can't answer. There's some things that even Google can't give you the right answer for. Some of our most profound questions come in our darkest moments. And I believe we've just come out of a real dark moment. Like 2020 was one of the darkest moments that I've ever experienced in my life. And I'm sure you could say the same. We had Corona, we had racial division, we had political division, political unrest. It was truly a dark moment on a public corporate scale. But there's also personal dark moments. Personal dark moments. You, you go to work and they call you into the manager's office and you're wondering why the HR person is sitting next to you and they let you go and escort you out the building. You're left with questions that Google can't answer. You're at the doctor's office and you're wondering why there's a long wait and they pull you into the corner and they, they tell you the diagnosis and it's not looking good. And you have questions. And even Google can't answer those kinds of questions. You get a call in the middle of the night. And they tell you that your, your son or your daughter is in a car accident. And you're left with questions that Google can't answer. Some of our most profound questions come in our darkest moments. And I want to talk about a question that Jesus had in the darkest moment of his life. Now, we've been going through a, a whole series about uh, the bounce back. And this is a moment in Jesus' life where it's, it's going to be a hard bounce back. Not only does he have to bounce back from death, but he has to bounce back from being humiliated, from his reputation of being the Messiah, being erased away. He has to come back from that. And in the middle of this moment, he asked this question, the only question that he asked from the cross. Some of you may have heard of the seven sayings of the cross. One of, only one of those sayings is a question. And I'm going to read from Mark 15, 33, 40. And we're going to talk about the only question from the cross. At noon, 
Darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so he could drink. Wait, he said, let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the Roman officers who stood facing him saw how he had died, he exclaimed, this man truly was the son of God. Some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the younger and of Joseph and Salome. This was a dark moment for Jesus and it was a dark moment for the world. Right there in verse 33, it says, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Now, this was not a natural phenomenon. This was a supernatural event. If you saw darkness cover the whole sky in the middle of the day, you know something was up. And so it was supernatural, and oftentimes in the Bible when there's darkness, it symbolizes the judgment of God. In Amos, Amos the prophet in the Old Testament talks about how the day of the Lord is a day of darkness and not light. Darkness symbolizing judgment, and a lot of times in our dark moments, we feel like God is standing over us as a judge, that he's not on our side. And so in the midst of this dark moment, Jesus asked a question. Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani. No, I'm not speaking in tongues. This is the Hebrew translation of my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is in his moment, uh, the most intense moment of suffering he's ever experienced in his life. And he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we're going to reflect on this suffering a little bit later as we take communion. But right now, let's just examine this question. Let's take a look at the only question that Jesus asked from the cross. And the first thing that we notice about this question is it's a question of alienation. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's asking this question and all of his disciples have deserted him. He's asking this question and even the women who supported him are watching him at a distance. But that's not the only thing that Jesus is concerned about. He's more concerned about the distance between him and God. My God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? He's there on the cross because he's placed on himself the whole world's sin. And nothing alienates you like sin. You could have a room full of people all around you, and if you haven't dealt with your sin, you will feel all alone. Nothing divides, nothing separates like sin. The reason why we have racial division is because of sin. The sickness is sin. The racial unrest is only a symptom. The sickness is sin. Divorce is only a symptom. Nothing alienates like sin. And a lot of times we think God has forsaken us because we don't uh, have a job or we're sick or there's some kind of problem or trial that we're going through, but you're really alienated from God because of sin. It's the sin problem that needs to be dealt with. In Isaiah 59, God says, hey, my arm is not too short that it can't save. My ears are not deaf that that I can't hear. But your sins have separated you from your God. Sin is what alienates you. And sin is on Jesus right there on the cross. And he's feeling that alienation. And so he's asking the question, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so it's a question of alienation. But it's also a question of identification. See, Jesus on the cross identified with us in our sin. And we often have the same question that Jesus had. We may not say it, just like he said it. But we're often asking, where are you, God? Why have you allowed these things to happen in my life? Jesus identifies with our suffering. He identifies with our sin. Even in your darkest moments, he identifies with you. A lot of times, When I'm going through something, I'm asking God, why? Why would you let me do this? Why would you allow this to happen to me? But here's the thing. I don't need to ask why. All I need to ask is who? Who's here with me in my suffering? Jesus identified with our suffering so we can know that just like we've gone through, we're going through it. Jesus has been there too. Just like we've experienced pain and suffering and death, Jesus has experienced the same thing. He's identified with us in our sin. He's identified with us in our suffering. The next thing that we want to look at in this question is, it's a question of vindication. See, Jesus is reciting Psalms 22 and 1. You know, a lot of us are used to just kind of freestyling our prayers. But in the Jewish culture, they had set prayers and set times for prayer. And they would recite these psalms. And at this particular time of day, at around 3 o'clock, you're supposed to recite Psalms 22. 
I think everybody in the crowd around Jesus forgot that. But Jesus is like the perfect Jew. And he recites Psalms 22. And it's a psalm of vindication. It's a psalm about the suffering of God's righteous servant. And Jesus says it better. He, he can say it better than David who wrote the song, psalm because David wasn't righteous. We all know David had sin and he did bad things, but Jesus is perfect. Jesus is sinless. And a lot of times we feel like, hey, God, give me a break. You know, I do the Sunday thing. I put money in the offering basket. I don't smoke. I don't cuss. I don't chew. I don't hang around with those who do. Come on. Why is this happening to me? But the truth is, why not you? You're not perfect. You're not sinless. You're not totally righteous. But Jesus is. And he steps in your place to take on that sin and take on that suffering so you can be close to him. We all ask the question, why is this happening to me? It's just like the book, when bad things happen to good people. The thing is, none of us are good. The centurion standing by the cross confirmed it. Jesus is the only good person. He says, truly, this man was the son of God. But we've all been there. God, you got to come through for me. God, why you leave me hanging? I can remember my own dark moment. My dad needed a liver. And I was standing in line to give him a liver. And I went off to Ethiopia doing God's work. I'm going to bed. I'm about to go to bed and I get a call. The call is from my mom. Hey, your dad's in the hospital. We need you to come right away. And I, I make plans. All right, in the morning, I'm going to call. I'm going to get my flight. I'm going to, I'm going to get back there. And I wake up. I'm woken up by a call, another call. And there's silence on the end of the phone. And I know this is, this is a dark moment. Your dad's dead. And all I hear on the other end of the phone is wailing. I hear my, my mom is there. My brothers, my, 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 my cousins, they're all there crying. And I can't make it back to even, I didn't see my dad. And I had that question. No, I didn't say it like Jesus said it, but my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the midst of my dark moment, I looked up and said, what's up, God? 
You're supposed to be here. You're supposed to take care of everything. You know how this goes. I do my part. You do your part. That's not how this goes. It didn't work that way for Jesus. And it doesn't work that way for us. In the midst of your dark moment, in the midst of the question asking, it's not, I did my part, you do your part. God says, I already did my part. I already died on the cross for you. I already took on your sin. I already took on the world's sin. So you can be with me. When Jesus died, it says in verse 38, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. He gave you access to him so that even in your darkest moment, you would know that he's with you. Even in your worst trial and your worst suffering, you would know that Jesus is with you and he will live up to his name, Emmanuel, God with us. It's what Martin Luther the 16th century theologian calls the divine exchange. Jesus takes on our wickedness so he can give us his righteousness. Jesus felt abandonment by God so that we, could, we would never have to feel abandoned by God. Jesus felt abandonment as a son so that we could become sons and daughters of God. The question, the only question from the cross is a why question, but it's answered by a who. Jesus, the son of God, willingly took on our sin and all of its consequences so that we could be forgiven and have a new life with him. Let's pray. God, I just, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for what you did some 2,000 years ago. And I'm glad that it still has an effect today. Your blood and your sacrifice is still powerful. God, I ask that you would be with us, not only in the good times, but also in the dark moments, in the pain and in the suffering. God, I ask that we would not forget what you've done for us. We remember what you've done. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.